Whenever I wake up early, I feel like I'm on NPR when I'm right. talking into the microphone. Right. Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Right, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. All right, on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Welcome everybody to Feeling It. This week, in addition to talking about what we're feeling, we are going to go through our favorite movies for every year that we've been alive, along with some awesome film news. So, before we do that, let's introduce ourselves and... In honor of the Hitman's Bodyguard, which comes out this weekend and which neither of us are going to see, nope. which two action stars would you want to see battle it out on the big screen? I'm Sandra Amstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And I love this question because I have a great idea. Okay. okay. I want a movie in the style of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where the two action stars also have a romance going between each other. Already love it. Right. And um, I picked out two action stars one that's kind of a newer action star and one that's kind of a proven action star Mm. i'm thinking the best coupling for this movie would be sebastian stan (laughs) and kate beckinsale Ooh, wouldn't they make a good mr and mrs smith type style movie i really like that i really like that a lot hollywood get on that great chemistry so it's true I also like that she's like a good ten years older than him. Yeah. So Which there could be some some her, good dynamics there. Her real life, she's actually like dating like a twenty two year old right now. Um, so not surprised. Yeah, she like life experience. Let's there you go. Show it on yeah. screen. Also, absolutely. Um, we're just del- delving into this fully now, but um, one of my all time favorite YouTube videos is Sebastian Stan on James Corden's talk show just shamelessly flirting with Sharon Stone, like really doing it. Like it doesn't seem like it's just like, oh, we're on a talk show, so we're flirting. No, like he's really going for it. (laughs) And um, it is a marvel to watch. So again, I think the two of them, Seb Stan and Kate, that is awesome. Great together. Um, Well, I am Lucas Schreiter, designer from the Bay Area. And my choice for this would be, I think a mismatch of sizes, but Jackie Chan, age what 63 or whatever he is versus the rock i would very much like to see that movie i have no idea what it would be about or what the situation would be but i think they i mean honestly a mr mrs smith type situation would actually be kind of fun with them too but every movie can benefit (laughs) oh man but I do, I do want to see Jackie Chan fight The Rock. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, it's like swift versus size. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, every week we like to talk about something that we've discovered or rediscovered throughout the week, whether that be a film, a, I almost said a movie, which is the same thing as a film. Uh, mostly those two things. Those are your only options. Every once in a while you could do music or a TV show or something like that. But this week, Sandra, what are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling one of those music feelings this week. Um, woo This weekend, Kesha's album Rainbow came out. And um, it's such 
a joy to me. It's one of those things where I haven't really talked about it online very much because this weekend there have been a lot more important things to talk about online than a new album release. But um, this album is so good and it's so important to me and you know, my love of Kesha is very well documented. I think she's charming and clever and funny and wild and, and powerful and um, so many important things. But I was trying to think, okay, what's like the big songs for me on this album that I want to bring up when I talk about it on the podcast? And that was such a hard decision to make because I love every song on this album. I don't <laughs> skip a single one. You know, usually once I listen to an album through, I figure out my favorites and then I listen to those on repeat. Uh -huh. And with this album, I can't do that. I just have to listen to the entire album through every single time. Um, um. Because I don't think there's a bad song on it. Um, the one that I want to talk about in particular, though, you know, she's had a bunch of singles come out that are all particularly impressive. Um, woman, Praying is, I think, a masterpiece. Uh, Learn to Let Go is, I think, really good. One of the newer singles that didn't release before the album released is um, Let Him Talk, which is really, really fun. This is the song that I'm listening to, like, when I'm walking somewhere and I'm wanting to, like, feel powerful and jazzed up. That's a really, really great song. Um, but the one that I really want to focus on um, is a song called Finding You. Uh, a lot of it's been said about how this song, how, or excuse me, on this album, Kesha's sound is kind of like progressing past like her old albums um, and how it's like this newer, I guess more mature version of songwriting. And I understand that analysis, but what's so interesting to me as a longtime Kesha fan is that I hear so much of like, old Kesha in this album in very beautiful, great ways. Um, the song Finding You is one of the more romantic songs on this album, and it's about um, reincarnation and like finding your love no matter what lifetime you're living in or what body your spirit is inhabiting. Um, and it reminds me so much of this really beautiful song from her last album called Past Lives. And on that song, that is just, it's about the exact same thing. It's about um, her believing fully in reincarnation and, and talking about how throughout every um, spiritual form you go through, you and your love will like find each other through every decade. Um, and this, so these similar themes and it has a very similar th sound. I think both of these songs are beautiful. Um, one of the things I love about Finding You is that you're not 100% sure whether she's telling a current love, like, I'll find you in the next life, like, don't worry, I'll make sure that we find each other in the next life, or if she's in this current life without a love, and she's telling wherever her love is, like, I'm going to find you. Um, I love that, like, it can be... You can think about it in so many different ways, and I love the way she sounds in this song. Yeah, I I was really surprised by this album. I, I mean, I know we we talked about this a little bit before, but I've I feel like I've never I've I've never really been into Kesha, um, but like the song the song Woman is incredible, and it's the most catchy song in the world, yeah. <laughs> and is always stuck in my head. You know, um, 
that was a oh. slow grow for me. The first time I heard oh, yeah? Woman, I was like, I love the sound. The lyrics kind of left me wanting. Um, but man, the more and more I listen to it, the more it is a jam. Like it, it really is. Yeah. It's super catchy. And I don't like it's one that I don't it's one that's over so quickly. Like it's a short song. Yeah. And so I never actually end up getting tired of it. And so <laughs> So that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> There's another, I mean, again, every song I love, to be to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's another really unique song on this album called Godzilla that is um, very sweet and simple and I think perfectly shows off Kesha's true, like, clever, weird writing style. Um, what makes Kesha so special is, I think, how, like, fun her lyrics are and um, this song kind of reminds me of something that would have been, like, in the movie Juno. Uh, mm, yeah. And I, 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 it's just, I think, just a lovely little ditty. Um, but, yeah, the whole album is incredible. I mean, I, I said I wasn't going to go through all the songs, but also Rainbow. The song Rainbow, <laughs> you know, one of the things that's so interesting about the song Rainbow for me is that um, a lot of the songs on her album deal with the same overarching theme of like feeling damaged but understanding that you're still very worth your worth is still great and that you need to like let go of pain and move forward with life um is like overarching in several songs and uh-huh. uh rainbow man is like it really hits me um her voice in that song the lyrics uh it's one of those songs that like I a lot of these songs I think are great to listen to at any stage of your life, but Rainbow is the one that um, I think if I can see myself when I'm going through something painful, that will be the song that I will turn to. Find a rainbow, rainbow, baby, trust me, I know Life is scary, but just put those colors on, girl Come and play along with me tonight That's great. Yeah. What are you feeling this week, Lucas? Well, I am feeling the trailer for a new movie called The Florida Project. Um, It's... The trailer just came out, and it's directed by Sean Baker, um, who directed... um, Tangerine? Yes. He directed Tangerine um, in 2015, which that movie just intrigued me so much. Like, it was a movie unlike anything I'd ever seen before, and the Florida Project looks to follow that that same boat. It's basically set over one summer, and it follows basically a six-year-old girl who... I think kind of like lives in this hotel um, with her, her mom and it kind of follows her life with her mom and the, I think owner, somebody uh, janitor, whatever of this, like kind of rundown motel kind of situation um, in Florida in kind of the shadow of Disney world. But Sean Baker's movies are so bright and colorful and really, I think are so well, driven by the characters and 
the, the every, most of the people in his movies are not famous actors at all. Um, and this one is a bunch of no-name people except for William Defoe. And watching this trailer, I'm so excited for this movie. It looks like it's going to be um, like something akin to Boyhood or, I mean, and obviously not with like the, you know, the the style, but just the, the feeling behind it of um, a glimpse into this person's life. I'm I'm really really intrigued by it and pumped for its release. Yeah, I've seen this trailer and Boyhood is a really interesting comparison. To me, it does like remind me of Boyhood a little bit, but it also reminds me a lot of um, American Honey that just came out last year. Mm. Yeah, I never saw American Honey. Yeah. But I, um, I can see why, yeah. It's more like, you, you know, child version of American Honey, mm-hmm. which already deals with like youth as an aspect, but more of an adolescent youth and less of a child yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah this trailer is so beautiful just on its own Mm -hmm. and i saw tangerine and i'm worried that i think tangerine was very overhyped for me so by the time i watched it i was left pretty disappointed um by i guess the story as a whole um and and the writing i thought the 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 visuals of tangerine were amazing yeah Um, so i'm very curious about this movie because this trailer really draws me in but um because tangerine didn't do it for me completely i'm wondering whether i'll be left Mm. satisfied by this movie as well Um, yeah but i i'm definitely intrigued um the the they this director seems to have some great luck with finding incredibly um like charismatic naturalistic performers yes Um, and that is always compelling to me so i i I, yeah we'll see if this is something that i'll check out yeah i'm also really digging old man william defoe i think i I don't know i don't know when when this happens but i feel like (laughs) older actors all of a sudden just kind of lean into like all right i'm playing an old guy now and that's i feel like what william William defoe is doing now i really like it (laughs) (laughs) So we have some news I think we want to cover first um, yes. before we get into our main topic. Um, MoviePass is a, a service that um, has been around for a few years now. And the idea behind MoviePass was you pay a monthly fee and you get to see uh, quote unquote unlimited movies um, in theaters through that service. Now, they have had put limits in the past on what unlimited actually means. Um, so this monthly fee depended on what city you were in. And so when I started using MoviePass, you know, probably four or five years ago, um, the fee was like, I think, $35 a month in Nashville. Yeah. And in places like New York, it was like maybe $50 a month. And it just varied. Um and the limits that they put on it were usually you could only see one movie in theaters a day um, and you couldn't see the same movie twice. Um, and then obviously, no, you couldn't see 3D movies. It was only just standard 2D movies, one a day, no repeats was the essential um, limits to that. And the way it would work was they would send you essentially a debit card that was movie pass branded and... When you got to the theater, you would check in on the MoviePass app which movie you were going to see. 
and then they would activate your debit card in that moment for the for the right amount for your ticket and then you would pay for your movie ticket with that debit card uh, another thing about movie pass was that they had contracts like if you were going to sign up you had to commit to it for a year you couldn't just Mm-hmm. try it out for a month or two months and then or or only use it during summer blockbuster months and then not use it for the rest of the year um, <laughs> so i tried it twice and i took advantage of their they used to have these three month gift options where you could gift someone a movie pass membership for three months and so i did it during oscar season in like december and january where I would pay for three months in full before and then use MoviePass. Um, Both times I ended my service just hating this company. The customer service was horrible. The app was always breaking. Um, The card wouldn't go through, even though I did everything right on the app. It was just truly awful to work with. And I was like, this headache is not worth the $10 or $15 I might be saving in total by, um, you know, prepaying for these movie tickets. Yeah. Uh, it was just a nightmare. And it especially is not worth it, not during Oscar season when I'm seeing tons of movie in a month. Um, right. During a March or a September, <laughs> that, you know, yeah. worthless. Um, yeah. So the big recent news, so I kind of had this like, I was had this vendetta against Movie Pass. I whenever it was brought up, I was like, "Oh, they're the worst." Well, Movie Pass just recently announced that they are changing their price point to ten dollars a month in every city, every month, no contract requirements. So you can sign up for as many months as you, you want, and you're only paying ten dollars a month for the same limitations. It seems one movie a day. Um, I haven't figured out if they still have the no repeats rule, um, but even so, um, possibly with a no repeats rule and still no 3D movies. Um, so for nine for ten dollars a month, nine ninety five is what the price is advertised. This is a much better deal for someone like myself who goes to the movies quite a bit. Um, in Nashville, if you're going on a weekend. A movie ticket is about $12. If you're going to one of the cheaper movie theaters, it can be like 7 or 8 And so this could pay for itself with one or maybe two movie tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's incredibly appealing to me. It's appealing enough that I'm willing to risk dealing with this company again. <laughs> and so I have signed up for this new version of MoviePass. Um it was incredibly difficult to sign up. It took me dozens of tries because their website kept crashing. Again, this company is not known for good service. Um, but again, with this kind of a deal, um, I'm willing to like give it at least a month or two yeah. to try it out. I definitely signed up as well. I have never signed up because oh, really a lot of the things that you said of just the complication of it and the the process isn't good and really the the price out here in the bay area has not been something that i feel like it's worth is worth it right. um especially when i usually go to a lot of matinees and like morning movies and stuff like that sure. but i'm i'm in and honestly the process for signing up was very difficult like yeah. it took forever and 
I'm supposed to be getting a card in the mail. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll we'll have to report back in a month or two yeah. and see how our experience goes with it. Um, Definitely. There's already been some drama surrounding this. AMC is not <laughs> happy about MoviePass's new price point, which I don't fully understand. Um, AMC is looking into removing themselves from being from movie passes being used at their theaters. Um, which is interesting because movie pass really does just work like a debit card. So they would be canceling out a very specific car. I don't know. It's, I don't fully understand what AMC's frustration is. Um, <laughs> cause they're getting a full price. Like yeah, they're getting they're a full price ticket. So a full price ticket from movie pass. Yeah. Um, to me, it brings more people into their theaters to buy concessions. Um, yep. The one thing that AMC has a pretty um, great rewards program that I f- take full advantage of. Um, so where if you spend like so many dollars, you get $5 back. And so that's the only thing that I can think of is that their rewards program is too good for people actually using it a ton the way they might be able to via a movie pass. Um, it's the only thing I can think of, but, um, I'm very curious about how long this will last. Again, (laughs) movie pass does not have the greatest record as a company. The reason I've heard that they're able to lower this price point to such a drastic place is because they have this new boost of funding from, some firms that are very big into like customer data. And so I think the idea is that they're going to be selling all of their data about how we all watch movies, what times we're watching them, yeah, um, which movies we're going to see on which days, um, because you have to put in exactly when you show up to the theater and you know, what movie you're seeing. And so there's a lot of data to be mined. Um, I don't, we'll see how worthwhile that data actually is and if it can keep this price point this low. Yeah, I'm excited about Movie Pass. I feel like this is going to lower my monthly uh, movie bill a lot, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we'll see how it works out. Another thing that I'm kind of excited about is if I'm not having to pay, um, you know, like if I've already paid my monthly movie bill, which is $10 yes. a month, um, I might go see a lot more movies I would never see, you know? True. Um, True. Yeah. Of varying qualities, just to like mm-hmm. check them out and get my own perspective yeah. on them. Yeah, because really, right now, I only watch movies that I think will be good. Right. Because I'm not going to waste like in theaters. Yeah. I'm not going to waste time like theater money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> watching a movie that I think will probably be bad. I think but... there's something really important about seeing movies that you don't know will be good. Hmm. Um, I don't want to like only watch bad movies, but I think there's something to be learned from watching bad movies. And there's also mm-hmm. like sometimes there are bad movies that have like really incredible moments that are worth seeing, even though the movie's not as a whole isn't incredible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that it will broaden our perspectives. We could take more risks. Yeah. That's great. Well, speaking of taking more risks, um, the eclipse is happening. And Sandra, you have news about a film that is being filmed during the eclipse, correct? I came across this last night just very randomly and I don't know a ton about it. So I'm not vouching for any of the people making this or their quality or (laughs) skills as artists. Who knows what this is going to turn out like. But um, I was looking up 
movies that have a like an eclipse in them because I was thinking like, oh, maybe there's a fun themed movie we could watch the night before the eclipse. Yeah. Um, here in Nashville, we're experiencing like full totality of the eclipse and it's a big deal. Like we're, it's a very big deal here. We're very excited. Um, and while I was doing my research, I came across this very small production company that is attempting to make a live streamed short film during the eclipse. Um, so it's sort of kind of like a play and a short film combined because they're performing it all at once, you know, live. Um, this is taking place in a ghost town in Wyoming. Um, the movie is called Western Soul, um, spelled S-O-L. And there, if you go to westernsoul.com, um, you can find out more about the movie. And this is, I believe, where you can go to live stream it during the eclipse. Um, because it's being filmed in Wyoming, um, it'll the eclipse is happening there and the live streaming is supposed to start at... Um, it's starting around 1225 Eastern time. So do your math for wherever you are. But yeah. on Western <laughs> Soul, their website says... Uh, this groundbreaking live event will broadcast a story that unfolds in real time, live during a celestial event. There are limited cuts. There are no second takes. Western Soul is the story of an honest rancher that is forced to do some dishonest things. Will he find the courage to walk in the light when he is surrounded by darkness? Will he find an opportunity to do what is righteous? So it's a Western taking place during an eclipse. And I just think it's so cool um, to use, it's not a once in a lifetime event, but it is an event that doesn't happen very often. And to incorporate that into art, I think is really, um, special and innovative and taking full advantage of like our entire environment. Totally. I'm curious to see how it turns out. Like, I feel like so much preparation has to go into something like this. Yeah. Um, did you ever see Woody Harrelson's live film no, that he did? I was so interested I didn't either. in it, but I didn't yeah. ever watch it. Yeah, I want to see it, but I'm I'm just curious how like something like that gets put a, together. <laughs> a live feature film like what Woody Harrelson did is such a big undertaking versus oh, a live for sure. twelve minute film. You know, which for is sure, short film yes, I think it's supposed yes. To be. And I think yeah, the size of the production company definitely uh is probably equal to. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm very curious about this. I I'm I'm gonna tune in and and watch it. Yeah, but. I'm very excited because they're filming in Wyoming. There, the eclipse is happening at a different time there than it is here. Mm -hmm. So I can watch the live stream event earlier in the day and then still watch the eclipse here in Nashville um, as two separate things. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. You can watch the live stream, but I also believe they're going to have it available to view um, later on in the day. So if you don't, if you're, if you're too if busy you watching it. the eclipse, actually, <laughs> and you don't want to live stream someone else's version of the eclipse, um, <laughs> you can watch this film later on. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be tuning in. Well, let's move on to our main feature of this episode, our favorite movies for every year that we've been alive. Now. We talked about this a little bit before, but Sandra and I each made a, a list of our favorite movies of the year that we were alive on Letterboxd, and we talked about them a little bit on an episode, but we really wanted to kind of dive in, and one, I have actually changed some of my answers. Oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, really only one. Really only one. Okay. Um, but 
But uh, we kind of want to dive in deep on this and just kind of have more of a conversation of around why we have different films or why we have some of the some similar films. Sandra and I are about the same age. And so it's really fun to kind of dive into these and see what our differences are. Yeah. So this was like kind of a meme that was going around for a while, a few months yes. ago. And everyone was kind of doing it all at once. And so Lucas and I did it on um, Letterboxd. And um, yeah, it's fun to just go through and be like and, and compare directly each year, you know, mm-hmm. of all of the whole year, what's your favorite? Um, it's also fun to see like, you know, which of these movies from my top 10 made it on here and which ones didn't because there was another movie that year that was yep. also incredible. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. So are we, st- where are we starting, Lucas? Are we starting from when we were born or from today? We're starting from when we were born. Okay. And that is going to leave you on your own. Right. With 1988. <laughs> I was born in December of 1988, so I was born just barely in this in this year. Um, <laughs> this was the hardest year for me to pick a movie because I hadn't seen almost any of the movies made in 1988. Um, a recurring theme that we'll find out <laughs> is that there are a lot of movies I have not seen. <laughs> and so when I was looking through and making this whole list, I'd be like, oh, there are some good movies that came out this year that I still haven't seen. So I'm picking this <laughs> maybe not so good movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, this whole list did also make me want to go back and watch a lot of these movies that like are, I guess, inherently great that everybody knows are great, but right. I just haven't seen. Exactly. <laughs> so. Um, so for 1988, I picked the movie big with Tom Hanks, um, mostly because it was the only one that I could find that I knew I saw and liked from that year. But that is a good movie. It is. I don't have any strong feelings about it, though. All right. Well, I guess in that case, we'll jump right into 1989. <laughs> Your birth year. Yes. I made it into this year. So Good. Um, yes. So this is the first year. That, honestly, I overall, I was surprised by how many movies we had that lined up. Um, but this is one that is obviously different. Um, for 1989, my favorite movie was The Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams. You know, I still haven't seen that, Lucas. It's oh. one that I need to. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I love Robin one. Williams, and I'm sure I will love this. Plus, it has a lot of baby-faced cuties. It does. It really does. I'm, <laughs> I, I rewatched it uh, a couple years ago and had forgotten like how many famous people are actually in that movie as children. But... It's also a darker movie than I remembered it being, but it is really good. Really good. My 1989 favorite is When Harry Met Sally. It's one of the greatest rom-coms ever made. And um, as soon as I saw that this was the year it came out in, I was like, well, that has to be my favorite. Nora Ephron, I think it's one of my all-time favorite writers and filmmakers. Um, This movie is some real special stuff. Oh, yeah. I... Also like that movie, but it can't be Dead Poet Society. <laughs> I understand. Um, moving on to 1990. Now, this is our first one that we have the same, and I'm honestly surprised that I picked this movie. <laughs> but uh, we both picked Pretty Woman yes. as the 1990. Now, for me, that is because I haven't seen a lot of 1990s, 1990s Wait, yeah. I haven't seen a lot of films from 1990 right. for some weird reason. Um, but all the ones that I have seen, I didn't like better than Pretty Woman. So it's a good movie. It really is great. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, my entire childhood, I was obsessed with Julia Roberts. And 
I don't know if I was allowed to watch Pretty Woman. I probably, I mean, I probably wasn't allowed to watch Pretty Woman. I don't know if I did, how much I did actually watch it when I was a kid. <laughs> I watched Runaway Bride a lot. And, um, but so once I was able to get my hands on a copy of Pretty Woman, I became <laughs> pretty obsessed with it because of my Julia Roberts obsession. Um, nice. Yeah. This movie, again, one of the all time great rom-coms. Uh, the charm that she has in this film, like, I, you just can't beat it. She's so young and beautiful and, um, like, again, hooker with a heart of gold. Just there's something wild about her, but also so, so endearing. Yep. Yep. Truly a movie star. Yeah. This is oh, it right yeah, here. Easily. Um, well, moving on to our second um, identical picks, 1991. And I don't know how you can have any other movie but this, but Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. The, the, I, is this your favorite Disney movie? No. Oh, wow. No, 92 okay. is my favorite Disney movie. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, 91. This is, Beauty and the Beast is my favorite Disney movie of all time. I love it. There's, I'm not going to say there's nothing wrong with it, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost perfect. It's so good. Did you um, see the new Beauty and the Beast? I have not seen the new Beauty and the Beast. Not out of... Protest. Like, hatred or protest or anything like that. Yeah. It's just... I haven't, I really just truly haven't been all that interested in it. Sure. Um, but I, I know I will at some point. Yeah. So no, saw, did you see it? I haven't. Um, I, okay. I'm thinking about it. I saw, you know, the new, the, the live action, like Cinderella remake mm -hmm. um, and really liked it. And uh, it made me very curious about like, it made me really kind of more on board with this trend of live action mm -hmm. Disney. Um, with them live actioning every every yeah, popular I know. animated like, movie. It's, it doesn't seem like something I should be on board with, but it, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not so against it again because that Cinderella one was so good. And I'm one of the people that really actually loved Maleficent. Um, mm -hmm. I did too. So, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So I haven't heard great things about this Beauty and the Beast, but yeah. I'm more willing to give it a try because of how good mm -hmm. those other movies have been. Yeah. Cinderella as an original animated movie i wasn't as attached to right but i feel like beauty and the beast is going to be hard to well, <laughs> hard to compare for me one of the things that both cinderella and maleficent have going for it is that they have these amazing striking actresses so like they have angelina yeah. jolie and kate blanchett that yeah. are like really bringing it mm -hmm. um and beauty and the beast doesn't seem to have that so um mm, yeah um that's where it's kind of falling for me yep yeah well, speaking of animated Disney remakes, um, our 1992 pick is, again, the same. It's Aladdin. This is my favorite Disney movie. Um, this is a close runner-up for me. Yeah, the music in Aladdin is so beautiful and fun. I think A Whole New World is my favorite Disney song. But mm. a lot of the other songs in, Disney, in Aladdin also have always meant so much to me. One Jump. Um, mm -hmm. You know how much I love thieves, Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One jump has been so important to me. Um, oh man! Yeah, I now a live remake of Aladdin is one that I'm way more nervous about than any of these others. Um, totally, because it's near and dear to me, but also mm -hmm. just because there are so many things you can get wrong. Um, Very much so. Yeah, but um, a lot of the casting news I've heard from it has been pretty um positive for me so far so so you're okay with will smith as the genie i think there 
could have been some more interesting choices, but I think Will Smith is obviously like completely capable and mm-hmm. charismatic. Yeah. So we we shall see. I'm nervous about that one. Really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't. I I don't know. But I just like a live action genie is just gonna be. Well, difficult. who knows how much know CGI it's... is going to be on the genie. Right, right. But I mean, just like, almost like the beast is just like, it's something that is better if it's less realistic. Right. Um. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But. All right, moving on to our 1993 picks. Now, this is one that I, this is the one that I changed. Um. Originally, I had tombstone in here okay. which i've talked about and is a fantastic movie but i completely forgot that jurassic park came out in 1993 and far and away that <laughs> that supersedes tombstone in my mind so lucas i saw jurassic park for the first time very recently oh yeah you hadn't seen jurassic park no that is insane yeah. what did you think you know i liked it a lot more than i thought i was going to um yeah when the movie started lucas Mm-hmm. I was like, this movie is bad. Like, <laughs> I was like, y'all have been fooled. This is a <laughs> bad movie. And like, I think a lot of it had to do with the set design of the beginning of the film looks so fake and like <laughs> just awful, just horrible. Oh, man. I was just like, this is truly a direct to DVD movie that everyone has been tricked into thinking is like a, oh, no. a masterpiece. <laughs> but then as the movie kept, like got going and yeah. once we started pretty much like once they went on the first they got in the cars and started going out into the dinosaur park mm-hmm. um that's when the movie got really great and I ended up having a really fun time. Um it was so thrilling. I I never saw Jurassic Park cuz I thought it would be too scary for me. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I was right. It would have been too scary for me at any other point in my life. I yeah. think only now am I mature enough to handle the thrills yeah. of Jurassic Park. As a kid, it definitely terrified me. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So scary. Um, yeah. But yeah, once the action gets going, I thought it was really great. Yeah. Well, what is your pick my for 1993? pick in 1993 is another Nora Ephron rom-com, um, Sleepless <laughs> in Seattle. Now, as far as Nora Ephron movies go, this one is not, like, my favorite. Um, But as far as all movies go, any Nora Ephron movie is great for me. And I think this one has a lot of... It's the beginning of, like, this Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, um, like, journey that I've been on. And, uh, yeah, Rosie O'Donnell's in it. I love Rosie O'Donnell. Meg Ryan is just, I, I think Meg Ryan is one of, like, the best rom-com heroines we've ever had. And she, can cont- like, is really great in this as well. Um, and mm-hmm. it has, like, such an iconic scene of, like, meeting on top of the Empire State, State Building on Valentine's Day. Uh, so many, like, that is that is something that, I like, I treasure because it's an iconic romantic moment. There you go. Nora Ephron. Yep. Winning. Yep. <laughs> um... So moving on to 1994, we have another duplicate. I don't know what to call these. They're not duplicates. They're same opinion. We, same opinion. <laughs> we we concur. Real we concur catchy. on 1994. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I here's here's my thing. 
I don't think 1994 had really good movies, <laughs> and as a, as a whole, I think the sh- okay Shawshank Redemption came out in 1994, Pulp Fiction came out in 1994, and Forrest Gump. Those three I would say are good movies, but I don't actually like any of those movies. Right. So for my actual favorite of 1994 that me and Sandra agree on mm-hmm. is D2 The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> D2 The Mighty Ducks is a defining movie for our generation. And it's true. That's you, That sounds like I'm making a joke, but it is not. Um, <laughs> for people specifically our age, maybe like a year older or a year younger, but like very, it's very pointed, I think, Lucas. Like, yes. We yes. lost our minds over this movie. It's true. Um, You know, our the college that Lucas and I went to uh does like a big movie night during their your freshman orientation week. And I think our freshman orientation week movie was <laughs> D2. Um, oh, man. We can all quote it. It means a lot to me. I can rewatch D2 and still have a blast. Yeah. I recognize... And I, I don't know why. Like, like, like uh, if you told me, like, this is the mo- a hockey movie... Um, Starring Emilio Estevez was going to be like one of the defining movies of my life. It's not the first Mighty Ducks. It is specifically no, no, it's D2. a sequel. Yeah. It's a sequel. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. If you're not down with the Ducks, you can GTFO. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that make this movie fun. Um, Keenan Thompson shows up in this movie. Yep. The Smash Brothers. Um, oh man, are, Knuckle Puck. Yeah, Knuckle Puck. We get the first appearance of a Knuckle Puck. Um, we, I literally just last night was making D2 references on Twitter with a friend who was showing it to his wife before they go to Iceland. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it's like, Iceland. Yes. Iceland is very green. Greenland is covered in ice. Like, we know oh, geography <laughs> because of this movie. Um, it's a perfect sports film. It's like, it's, there's so, it's about success and fame and competition and family and working together as a team um oh the iconic scene lucas when he has been making them practice and practice and he asks what team they're for and they each say they're like hometown team Mm -hmm. and oh he's so angry at them and they don't know why and they such a good sports speech yes and they figure it out he goes what team are you for and they go usa and then they all say the same team (laughs) (laughs) It's a perfect movie. I love this movie. And it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's really funny. It's the best it's it's the best sports movie. It's the best patriotic movie. Yeah. Um I like yeah. There's there are very few faults with this movie. If you were not born in the late 90s and have no idea what we're talking and the late 80s and have no idea what we're talking about, you have to watch D2 the Mighty Ducks at some point. I I I just means so much to me. I I really really <laughs> really does. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, moving on to movies that don't mean as much to us. Right. 1995. What do you have? I have Before Sunrise. Now, um, obviously, I did not watch this movie in 95 when it came out. This is something I fell in love with in college. Um, But it was... I don't think it was the first Richard Linklater movie I saw. I think I probably saw School of Rock before I saw this movie. Um, School of Rock? Yeah. Richard Linklater what? made School what? of Rock. Yeah, he directed it. No. Yes. What? Yes. Are you kidding me? No. Oh my goodness. I had no idea. Yeah. What? Yes. What? Right. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, he didn't write it, but he directed it. Oh my goodness. My mind is blown right now. Yeah, Richard Linklater is a genius. Not to derail this, but oh my gosh. He has many talents, and he can work in multiple genres. Oh! Wow. Right. Okay, you can continue. Okay. I'm just going to be dying over <laughs> sure. here. Sure. So, um, but before Sunrise, I consider kind of my first Linklater film, because it's like such the essence of him, you know? And it's one of his most iconic movies. Mm-hmm. I... This movie has so many things I love in it. It's a romance. It's walking and talking. Um, I've always loved movies with lots of good dialogue. I would rather have a movie where they talk the entire time than, um, you know, tons of montages or artistic, like, cool action sequences. Talking is my favorite thing. Um, And that's all this movie is. It's just talking. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's, I think it's special it is romantic. It as seeing it as a college student, man, that's the perfect time to see a movie like this because it has all the same like youthful um, thirst for ideas and conversation the way a college yeah. student does. Um, yeah, I I love this movie. That's awesome. Well, my choice for 1995 is also a movie I did not see in 1995. It's The Usual Suspects. Um, this was the first movie that I think I had ever seen that my mind was truly blown, and I feel like I had to like immediately like rewatch the movie. Um, have you seen The Usual Suspects? You know, I don't think so. Okay, I'm obviously not going to spoil anything. It's a but it's a crime movie, which is a ton of fun. Crime slash heist movie, so much fun. Um, the actors are incredible. Everybody in it is intense, <laughs> um, and. The way it ends is just beautifully done, beautifully acted, directed. Everything is perfect. Um, and like I said, it makes you want to just start it from the beginning and watch it all over again. It's so good. But no spoilers. But Kaiser Soze, watch that movie. Um, 1996. So this is the first one on your list that I have not seen. Oh, okay. Interesting. So my yeah. 1996 pick is The First Wives Club. Um, I've been thinking a lot lately about formative media influences, and uh, this movie is for sure incredibly formative for me. Um, <laughs> there, it's just a comedy about three women who have been left by their husbands for younger, um, sexier versions, and they're just out to get revenge. Um, it stars Goldie Hawn. Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and it's so funny. Goldie Hawn and Diane Keaton specifically are, like, such treasures to me. Um, And their comedic ability... I mean, and Bette Midler. I I don't know why I left her out. I'm just... I... They're... They're so, so funny. And this movie is just about, like, the power of working with... Of women working together and not taking shit from men. And um, it has an iconic dance sequence at the very end uh it's so many things that i could want out of a movie i i definitely think that's one i have to see you should yeah yeah it sounds awesome um my 96 pick is a very weird movie it's called swingers um written by john favreau and starring vince vaughn and john favreau directed by doug lyman (laughs) um director of the born franchise um this movie is 
it's John Favreau's first movie. It's really weird. It's about these two actors who are just kind of nobodies in LA and it's just really them hanging out with their friends. And that's really it. And I watched this movie a lot in college. And I think just like their like John Favreau's portrayal of like writing dialogue for friends, I thought was awesome. And just like every everybody in it is a weird, quirky character. And I just always had so much fun with this movie. And so whenever I think of like movies from 1996, this is the first movie that comes up in my head. Yeah, this is a movie that I haven't seen, Lucas. Um, and it's one that I feel like I really should. Um, John Favreau is like so interesting to me. And I'm not super familiar with like his earlier work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this is one that's definitely on my list. I have so much to say about this movie after you've seen it. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. I'm putting it on my list right now. Yes. All right. 1997. This is a weird year. Yeah. Let's talk about 97. (laughs) Um, I made my list a while ago, Lucas, so I don't remember, like, what else came out in 97 that, like, I was trying to pick from. Um, Mm -hmm. But I ended up picking a movie that... I, it's hard to recommend to other people because it's not like this great cinematic work, except that it is for everyone who grew up in South Texas. Um, and, and anyone who loves the musical artist, Selena, I picked the movie Selena starring Jennifer Lopez. (laughs) This movie, again, if you grew up in South Texas, you know how important Selena is as a figure, but especially how important this movie is. I watched this movie at so many slumber parties. I can quote so much of it. When I watch this movie, I don't see Jennifer Lopez. I see Selena. Like, to me, this is not a Jennifer Lopez movie. I'm sure if you watched this movie or someone else did, you would just see Jennifer Lopez starring in a movie (laughs) in a way that I absolutely do not. Um, To me, this is like a movie about just Selena and it's essentially stars Selena. Um, (laughs) It's, she's just such an important figure and um, it has, it also has incredibly iconic moments. There's this really enchanting moment in this movie, Lucas, where Selena is performing in Mexico for the first time, and mm-hmm. um, they're she's performing at like this on this outdoor stage, and they weren't prepared for this huge crowd that showed up, like massive, massive crowd that they had no that they were not aware that was going to come, and the crowd is so huge and excited that they start pushing people, and the people in the very front, right up against the stage are starting to get pushed into under the stage in a very, like, dangerous way. Like, mm-hmm. they're getting crushed, and it's very scary. And all the organizers at the event are like, what do we do? Oh, my God, like, someone's going to die. And Sele- and they send Selena out onto the stage by herself to calm down the crowd. <laughs> and she just, like, sings very softly to them, and she, like, puts one finger over her, her mouth, and the crowd just like calm, like quiets. And these, she saves people lives with her music. Oh my Lucas. gosh! I know that this <laughs> sounds so cheesy as I'm telling you about it, but let me tell you, it is amazing. It's Did not you cry? cheesy. Yes, and this movie makes you cry because Selena has the most tragic story of them all, and um, 
it's a love story. It's a story about family because her brothers and sisters are her bandmates and her father like runs her career. And so this family like just made a life out of her. And it's uh, it's about music and it's about cultural identity. Oh, it's, there's so many important <laughs> things. I just want to put this out there. You put this movie above Titanic. Oh, yeah, easily. Oh, you're not a big Titanic fan. I like Titanic. I have a Titanic t-shirt. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, um, is, but ti- is that the level? Yeah. Is, that the, is that the level? Like, I'm a, I'm a Titanic fan. I mean, I have a Titanic t-shirt, <laughs> right. but um, Titanic? do you have a Selena t-shirt? No. I, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, oh, my God. It's not very good, though. I need to get a better one. Um, <laughs> so here's the problem with Titanic is that I recognize how like good of a movie Titanic is, but I was this prude when Titanic came out, and um, <laughs> I was like super conservative, and all my friends were going to see Titanic, and I was like horrified that like their parents would let them go see a movie that had boobs in it, you know, like that showed boobs. Um, and I don't think it does though. I think it does. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? I don't think that's true. I think it does. I don't think so. I think it does. Okay, cool. <laughs> I don't, don't make me Google Titanic boobs. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it does, but I could be wrong. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and maybe there's just a sex scene. I could have been that much of a prude that it was just a sex scene. But um, anyway, I was very horrified that people were getting a chance to see it, and I didn't see it until college. Um, so, yeah, but I, I liked it. But Selena, like... Man, that is an important movie. Oh, man. Well, my 1997 movie is the first Miyazaki movie I ever saw, which is Princess Mononoke. Um, I feel like this, is, this isn't even his best or my favorite um, Miyazaki movie. It's just the first one that I saw, and I think it made a huge impact on me. Um, I also ended up seeing you know, Studio Ghibli films, My Neighbor Totoro, and all that kind of stuff, and I like those a lot better. But this film having it be like Japanese animation, I think was huge. And I'm not actually a huge fan of Japanese animation now. Like I'm not into anime or anything like that, but just seeing a different style of an animated movie, I think had a big influence on me <laughs> as to like what, um, what animation could be and like what the differences are. So this is, this is, uh, I, I, it's still a really, I feel like I'm playing this movie down a lot. This movie is really good. <laughs> um, but it was just a big turning point for me on, um, on what animation looks like. No. Have you seen it? I haven't. You know, I okay. haven't seen any Miyazaki movies. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We talked about this. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know that that's something I need to catch up on and like get into. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter it's of true. time. Selena's not in any of them. No, so. no. If they started uh, using some Selena music, that would really, <laughs> that would really get me there. <laughs> oh, man. Moving on to 1998. I never thought you'd have any other choice but this. No. Um, this is my all-time favorite movie is You've yeah. Got Mail. Um, completing my Nora Ephron, Meg Ryan yeah, trilogy. The trilogy. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been leading up to. Um, I don't have much to say about it because I've already said so much on this podcast. It's my favorite movie. I love it. It's my favorite for 1998. (laughs) Um, for me, I chose Rushmore, the first, um, Wes Anderson movie that I was introduced to. Blew my mind, changed my life. I love it. It's so good. Um, again, I, like all of these movies, I think Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, I might have seen 
around, like closer to the time that they came out, and D2 the Mighty Ducks. But most of these I saw much later, um, which is really interesting because just all of these, I think, are at formative points in my life. And I think Rushmore hit a point where I was like, oh, man, this is like you can do some weird stuff with film. And Rushmore definitely blew my mind there. Yeah, you know, I love Wes Anderson, but I have this habit of falling asleep during his movies. Is it a habit? Yes, it really is. Okay. It's happened multiple times um, where we're like, a group of us will get together to like watch an Wes Anderson movie and I just fall asleep. Um, and And I don't think it's because they're boring. I think it's because they are soothing to me. Um, mm. But so I have not seen all of Rushmore because I have fallen asleep oh during it. Oh, um, but I, yeah, that's one that I'm like, oh, I need to finish that movie. I need to see all of <sighs> Rushmore. Well, yeah, you should see all of Rushmore <laughs> <laughs> and the rest of every. You should, we should just have like a second half of every Wes Anderson I've, movie. I've fallen asleep during Rushmore. Um, what's the one with the brothers? Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. No, I've I've seen Royal Tenenbaums. I love that movie. Um, no, it's where they have like flowers, um, and they're on a train, maybe. Oh yeah, those brothers. Um, um, the Darjeeling Unlimited. Yeah, I've fallen asleep during yes. that, and I've fallen asleep during the submarine one. Life. <laughs> the Life Aquatic. Yeah, Life Aquatic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're all so good. I know. I believe it. <laughs> I I know. I just need to see them. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> well, moving on to 1999. I have not seen your movie. Okay. Um, 1999 was my favorite movie throughout my entire childhood. Probably until I graduated high school. This was my favorite movie. It's um, Runaway Bride. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm obs- I was obsessed with Julia Roberts. I just, I thought she was the best actress in the world. And so beautiful and funny and lovely. And um, this movie is my favorite Julia Roberts movie. Pretty Woman is more iconic, but Runaway Bride, I think, is a much better movie. Um, mm-hmm. Runaway Bride has, I think, a better script. It's The characters are more interesting. It's uh, Pretty Woman is a fairy tale, and, it's a, mm-hmm. and I love fairy tales. Runaway Bride <laughs> is a story about... It's like a wacky conceit, but it's a very real love story. Um, and... I think it's so special and important. It's about like friendship and growing and being willing to change and being willing to know who you are and not change. It's there's so Mm -hmm. many things. No, you should watch runaway bride Lucas. I think you would like it. Okay. We'll see. Yeah. The poster is not that great. No, but I promise the movie is. Okay. Well, um, who's in it? Joan Cusack is in it and she's great. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to watch it. Um, mine is probably what I feel like most people would pick for a 1999 movie, The Matrix. And I know I say, I'm saying that all of these movies blew my mind, that I feel like that's the, just the theme here, that each one of these movies are movies that blew my mind. But The Matrix is incredible. The Matrix is weird. The Matrix is something I'd never seen before. And, um, it almost made me like Lawrence Fishburne. You know, I've never seen The Matrix. Are you kidding me, Sandra? No. Any of them? Well, that'd be weird if you saw the other two. No. Um, Okay. I, I own The Matrix. What? Yeah, but I've just never... And you seen haven't it. seen it? No. I need okay. to. I want to. I like Keanu Reeves. Okay. It's a turning point in action movie history. Right. So, yeah, I think I'll yeah. really like it. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> I really think you have to watch find it. the right person to watch it with. You know, someone it's, who like... It's true. 
will care that it's my first time seeing it, you know? Yes, yes. Basically, yes. I need attention, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to watch the other two if you don't want to, but you have to at least watch the first sure. one. Okay, number 20, not number 20, <laughs> the year 2000. <laughs> okay. We have the same movie again. We do. This was my favorite movie. You know, I said Runaway Bride was my favorite movie until I graduated college. This was my yes. favorite movie from graduating or graduated high school excuse me this was my favorite movie from graduating high school till probably about like 2014 or so um, okay almost famous yep yep it's one of the best movies ever made it's so true Cameron Crowe for the win best writing yeah best depiction of art just in general um Coming I love it movie yep yep Ugh. I there's no, this is, I would say, if we're listing perfect movies, this is one of the perfect movies. Absolutely. It's so good. Kate Hudson yeah. is a dream in it. Mm -hmm. um, so is Patrick Fugit. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah, this movie is incredible. Not only, like, it means so much to me as an individual, but it also is the basis of so many of my friendships. Like, so many close friends that I have that are also, like, really into film, we, like, bonded over how important this movie was to us. And we've watched it wow. together. And um, yeah, it means a lot. Yeah. All right. 2001. We also have the same pick. Another perfect movie. Mm -hmm. Ocean's Eleven. Obviously. Yep. Ocean's Eleven. Um, I'm, I've been hearing a lot about Ocean's Eleven recently because one, we have Ocean's Eight coming out next year, but also because Soderbergh has a heist movie coming out this weekend that we're going to go see. Um, mm -hmm. So of course, Ocean's Eleven has been coming up in conversation yeah, it's it's a perfect movie. It's paced perfectly, star-studded cast, great one-liners, glamorous. It's so many things that I want out of a heist film. I don't know yep. if, I've, if there is a better heist film. There, I don't think there is. There are tons of heist films that I love for lots of different reasons, but mm -hmm. this is like the most solidly good one. True, true. All right, 2002. Here's where our differences are again. I am coming out of the gate with The Count of Monte Cristo. I 100% agree this is not a great movie. <laughs> this movie is not, like, it's, its quality level is very low. But I absolutely love this movie. I saw it really young. Not really young. I think I saw it when it came out in 2002. But I, like, everyone in it is the epitome of what I want them to be, just completely over the top as cheesy as possible. Um, I don't think this is a movie that I would like if I watched it now, like if I watched it for the first time now, but every time I rewatch it, I think I love it a little bit more. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie, Lucas. Is this one? It's I not very, it, it, I don't, I, I think you would like it. I think you would like it. Um, in it's cheesiness and camp. Okay. Like you have to, you have to go and knowing this isn't going to be like, <laughs> Like, I don't know. Like, I can't think of another movie that it should be like, but it's not like that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that's one I, 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 I don't even know if I know a lot about it or like. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's weird. I don't know why it's on my list, yeah. but it is. Yeah, we all have those. I don't have a T-shirt for it, though. OK, well, my <laughs> favorite 2002 movie is, um, again, when I was talking earlier about like formative influence, media influences. Mm -hmm. This is a big one. Um, Chicago. Yep. Uh, this movie is so... Like, people forget about how good Chicago is. Um, mm -hmm. 
it's hard making a movie musical is hard um people give them so much shit people either don't like musicals or like the they like the stage productions better they don't like the songs or they don't like the actors and and people are just always so grumpy about them and <laughs> and i think this one is so good um yeah one of you know this is sort of related but one thing i was watching recently was like this one specific musical number from a Bob Fosse DVD that I had as a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah, that I was like very into. And obviously this movie came out later in 2002, but Bob Fosse and like this style of like sleazy, sexy, slick dancing um, <laughs> was so just like I couldn't stop watching it. Um, Cell Block Tango, man. A man-hating, like, murderous row of of dancing is just so fun to watch. Um, have you seen Chicago, Lucas? Oh yes, absolutely. Okay. This okay, is good. like I I think as far as like musical adaptations from the stage to a movie, this is by far one of the best. Yeah. Um, Catherine Zeta Jones is fun in this movie um, and I love that she like cut her hair so short so that she you would know that it was actually her doing all the dancing um, I love that like petty amount of pride that she had that she was like no we're gonna know <laughs> I'm doing this yeah. this is me right all right so moving on to 2003 I keep wanting to say number 2003 for some <laughs> reason the year number 2003 um uh, my three favorite films of 2003 are Finding Nemo, Pirates of the Caribbean, and School of Rock. I'm so upset that I did not put School of Rock up here now because <laughs> it's Link later and I didn't know it. But I truly do like Finding Nemo better. I think it's a better movie, um, and I, I love it so much. This is the I'm really this is the first um, Pixar movie I have on I have on this list. Um, but I think as far as years go, like this, nothing outstrips Nemo for me. Yeah. Finding Nemo is a movie that I saw so many times in theaters when it came out. I was yep. blown away by it. You know, mm -hmm. people really go nuts for Toy Story, and I think Toy Story is a very, very good movie. But Finding Nemo, to me, was when Pixar really, like, made its moment as, like, making these incredible movies that, like, you have to go see. Um, yeah. I, I, I loved this movie so much. Honestly, if my other movie didn't come out this year... I would have picked Finding Nemo. This was like a close mm -hmm. second for me. Um, so my other movie for 2003 that I did end up having to stick with is Pirates of the Caribbean. Which is amazing. Yeah. It's, an it's underrated, I think, because of all the sequels. Right. And I actually love the sequels. I'm a big fan of like the franchise. All of them? Well, two and three I really love. Um, I didn't. Okay. I saw four. It wasn't very good. Um, and I didn't see five. Um, yeah. But... Yeah. Pirates 1 through 3, I think, are an incredible franchise. But Pirates 1 is really just... It's so... Its scope is so much smaller than its sequels, and that is what makes it so good. Um, mm -hmm. I love the aesthetic of these movies, the, the folklore. Um, but most importantly, I love the music. I, I yep. think the Pirates franchise has my favorite scores of all time. I, I don't think the music gets any better than, like how exciting it is in Pirates of the Caribbean. This is the last iconic score. Yeah, it might be. I can't back that up, but... Honestly, I think <laughs> it might be. Like, yeah. or it might be the most yeah. iconic score if for, for my viewing experiences. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. 2004. I've got my second Pixar movie, The Incredibles. The Incredibles is my favorite Pixar movie of all time. And I I'm I'm not upset that they're doing a sequel, but I just think the original stand stands on its own so much right. and I love coming back to it and revisiting it. Um but yeah, it's it's so good. So good. Yeah, Incredibles is also my favorite Pixar movie. Um yeah, you're right. It's like it's perfect just as is it mm-hmm. as it is. Um yeah. yeah. I I don't know how I feel about the sequel, but I I love <laughs> I love The Incredibles. Yeah. If my other this is the same situation where if this other movie hadn't come out in 2004, I probably would have yeah. The Incredibles, but yeah. Eternal Sunshine of the St- Spotless Mind is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, it's in my top 10 of all time. It is my favorite genre, which I've always said is tech-affected romances. Um, <laughs> you know, the classic genre. Right. Um, I love that it's like a little sci-fi. It's a little tragic romance. It's a little like um, indie whimsical, you know? Um, there's so many things that make this movie special, but ultimately it's like final scene and it's final message is what really like cements it as one of my all-time favorite movies. Mm. This is this was a movie that's on my list of movies I'm embarrassed I haven't seen yet. Whoa. So. Yeah, Lucas, you yeah. have to see this movie. Yeah. Yep. So I'll get on it. Yep. All right. Moving on to 1995. Not 1995. 2005. 2005. Um, we've already talked about 1995. Right. 2005 is the directorial debut of George Clooney with Good Night and Good Luck. This movie is about journalism. It's about broadcasting. It's about controversy. It is so good. (laughs) I don't know why I liked it in 2005, because it doesn't seem like the type of movie that I would have been into at that point. But it's also in black and white. So everybody's just in suits walking around talking the entire time. Did you actually see it it in 2005? I might have seen it in like 2006. I saw it like right after it came out. That's You were young. Um, We were like sophomores. Yeah, in high school. Or freshmen. I Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have no idea why I liked this movie at that age because I don't, I like, it makes no sense at all. But I loved this movie. Um, I think there's so, so many good people in it, like with little parts who just like say off the wall kind of things. If you haven't seen this movie, I would check it out. Um, I forget what George Clooney won an Oscar for that year. I don't think it was for, I don't, it might have been directing, I don't, it might have been acting in I it. Don't, I don't know. Maybe writing it? Maybe right. I don't know. He won an Oscar this year. I don't, and I feel like I feel like this movie won something. I didn't look it up. It doesn't matter. This movie's good. Go yeah, watch it. Yeah, I saw this movie in college in like a film class, and yeah. I was pretty blown away by it. Yeah, technically, it's masterful. Yeah. It really is. Um, it's however not quite as masterful, in my opinion, as <laughs> my favorite 2005 movie. Um, Joe Wright. Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. I've said this before in the podcast. I think this is a perfect movie. Um, it's it's really good. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I watch it at least once a year. Um, I make an event out of it. It's perfect. It's truly, truly perfect. That's all there is to say about it. There you go. Well, moving on to 2006, we have the same movie again, Stranger Than Fiction. 
Yeah, Stranger Than Fiction is, you know, we're getting right now into a lot of like my top 10 movies. Um, mm-hmm. And Stranger Than, Fiction, Stranger Than Fiction is one of them. And it's one of my like weirder ones because it doesn't have like this huge critical acclaim. It, it didn't make this big splash like a lot of these other movies have. Um, but it's so unique and special. And um, again, it's tech affected romance. Um, or I guess yep. this is more not tech affected, it's more like sci fi. Um, yeah, I should say, um, mystical. Mm-hmm. Um, but Will Ferrell, like I love when Will Ferrell plays roles like this. Um, I think he's so talented, and the romance in this movie, and again, similar to Eternal Sunshine, kind of like the the way it ends and what the message is about the ending is what makes this movie so special. So. <laughs> Yeah, the design of this movie is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love the writing. I love the narration. Um, I love Queen Latifah. Um, I there's nothing in this movie that I dislike. Um, I don't think it's like I, I I guess I'm unsure of where it actually sits on a quality level because I'm too connected to this movie to know. Right. But I feel like I feel like it's a great, great, well done movie. Um, everybody in it is at the top of their game. Emma Thompson's great. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, this is, I don't usually like her in most things. Um, but this is, I think one of her, one of her best performances. So yeah, she's wonderful in this. Um, Dustin Hoffman is in it. Um, that's right. Yeah. 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 It's a special small movie. Like, yeah, you know, people just don't bring it up very often, but I feel like everyone who does see it is really, really charmed by it. If it weren't as weird, I would say it's like a Noah Baumbach movie, like something like that, where it's just like this guy's life, just him talking to a bunch of people about it. But because of the like, I don't know, like mystical elements, I guess, whatever, um, it kind of takes it in a little bit of a different direction. All right. 2007. Your choice is so good. Yeah. So So again, this is in my top 10 of all time favorite movies. Um, Dan in real life. This movie is, again, one of my other favorite genres about a, lo- a family or a group of friends spends a weekend together in a lake slash beach house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're, I just want a list of all the all of your favorite genres because they're hilarious. They're really <laughs> great. Um, Dan in Real Life is such an underrated movie. Steve Carell is, has so much heart in this performance. The romance is so, like, awkward and lovely. Like, you want it to happen so badly, but then it's also so cringeworthy to watch. Um, It's the story about this family loving each other and this dad having a hard time, like, with his daughters and the love and the brothers and us. There's just so much. It's one of the best family movies of all time. It truly is great. If you haven't seen Dan in real life, you have to. You have to see it. You have to. Julia Binoche. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Ugh. And, you know, one of the things about this movie that um, is surprising is how um, good Dane Cook is in it. That is true. This That's like the perfect. There are very few roles that are actually good for Dane Cook. And this is a, um, yeah, a perfect this is, role. Yeah, this is it right here. <laughs> you can't do better than this. Yeah. Ugh. Um, well, my 2007 favorite movie is a Western 310 to Yuma. I think this is the movie that got me into Westerns. Um, I hadn't liked older 
I hadn't really like watched a lot of older Western movies. And after watching 310 to Yuma, I realized I have to watch John Wayne and High Noon and all of those other movies that are out there. I love it. Christian Bale, Russell Crowe having conversations on horses. Ugh, you can't do better than that. It's so good. Um, it's also got Logan Lerman as like a child. Yeah. And it's weird because I feel like he still is a child. I guess, I guess 2007 wasn't that long ago. But um, it's so good. It's so good. If you you don't like westerns, you don't like westerns. I don't like westerns, I but it. I do like this movie. I've seen Three okay. Times Yuma. It's really good. It's so good. Yeah. So what about this movie makes you like it, even though you hate the western genre? I wish I could tell you, Lucas, but I saw it so long ago that I don't remember a ton from it. But I do remember okay. seeing it, and I do remember thinking, like, even though I don't like westerns, this was a really good movie. Yes. Yes. Ugh, if this hadn't come out this year, Dan in Real Life would have been my top one, though. Yeah. But 2007, man. Great year. Night, 2008, we have the same movie. It also won Best Picture. It's Slumdog Millionaire. It's obviously great. I don't know what else to say about it. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, Slumdog Millionaire is a movie that, like, sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, oh, is it really as good as I thought it was? And then I really think about it, and it's like, yeah, it was that good. And I was obsessed with it when it came out. Man, I mm-hmm. love. I was obsessed with Slumdog Millionaire. We watched it as a dorm. Like, our whole dorm watched it together. And we, like, made Indian food. And it was, like, this whole event. Um, oh, nice. I remember watching the Oscars that year, being so excited when it won. Um, yeah. And it brought us Dev Patel as a movie star. It did. And I'll did. always be grateful for that. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. 2009. Um, this was the first year that I think I tracked a movie's production, um, up to release. So there was supposed to be a Halo movie produced by Peter Jackson, directed by Neil Blomkamp, and they started pre-production, all of this stuff. I was so pumped because obviously I was a guy who grew up in, who was a guy in 2009. And so I was going to love a Halo movie, but it all fell through. They had all this pre-production stuff ready to go. They had started working on it. And so just kind of out of the blue, they pivoted and made District 9 out of what they had. And it is insane. That movie is incredible. It's a great movie about immigration. It's a great movie about South Africa. Um, if you have not seen District 9, it's a sci-fi movie, but it is, I think, unlike most sci-fi movies that you've ever seen. It's also one of the first, like, low-budget blockbusters um, that I saw either that got critical response and did very well at the box office. So, District 9. And we somehow we also got Shaito Copley out of that, and I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing. He's, like, 50-50 on his movies on whether I love him or hate yeah. him. I haven't seen District 9, Lucas. I've heard so many oh. things about it, but it's just never made it made it my way. I almost said Hugh Jackman's in that movie, but he's not. He's in Chappie. That's a different that movie. That is definitely a different movie. Never mind. Movie. <laughs> is Hugh Jackman in Chappie? Yeah, he has a mullet. Huh. It's so is funny. He, he was also in that other robot movie. A Real Steel? Yeah. Yes, he was. I've seen all robot Hugh Jackman movies. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Um, well, my 2009 pick is um, the George Clooney movie Up in the Air. Um, yes. Jason Reitman directed it. I love Jason Reitman is a favorite director of mine that hasn't made anything in a while that I've like really <laughs> liked. But I love 
other stuff that he's made so much <laughs> that he's still up there. Um, I love Up in the Air. One of my favorite things about Up in the Air is that it really um, made me aware of the star power of Anna Kendrick. Um, before Up in the Air, she had been in like the Twilight movies and like some campier films, uh, specifically one called Camp, um, <laughs> that I, I did really like and I loved her in them. But seeing her in this movie in a very adult role um, like mm-hmm. really blew me away and made me fall in love with her. And that's one of just the, the many reasons I think this movie is really good and um, heartbreaking. And uh, yeah, I really like it. It really is good. I've only seen it the once, um, but that is one I definitely need to rewatch. Moving on to number 10. 2010. My, nope. Ugh, why am I doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 2010, the 10th year. Um, we have two movies that, okay, this, I just, this whole year. Okay. 2010 I, we, is the golden I, year for cinema in my mind. I almost want to do a whole podcast on 2010 itself. We just what happened Three of in 2010? My all-time favorite movies were, all came out in 2010. Um, so that was obviously like there's a lot to pick from for this year. Um, there, you know, we each have yeah. different picks, but we could have picked. There were like nine more movies that if either of us had picked, it would have made sense. Yeah, it's totally true. I there's a, there's a whole list of amazing movies from 2010. Um, I have to go with the. What I wanted to be the final Toy Story movie, Toy Story Three. Um, I I went to this. This is one of the f- only movies that I've gone to the midnight premiere of, dressed up as something. Oh, so, Lucas! <laughs> I was the butt end of the Slinky Dog. It's fine. Oh. <laughs> I I absolutely like this because I feel like Toy Story, like the original one, like started my childhood. And even though it's not on my list at all of my favorite movies of the year, like Toy Story was very fun- fundamental yeah. growing up. And having this be the final, like moving on, we were getting, we were like in our senior year of college, everything was about to end. Um, I felt like it was like the perfect representation of our lives, just kind of coming to the close of a chapter and moving on. And it's a beautiful movie. It is a beautiful movie. I have a vendetta against this movie, though, because um, I don't think it's the best animated movie that came out that year. I think oh, gosh. the best animated movie that came out that year was How to Train Your Dragon. That is not true. And Not true by a long I shot. I love How to Train Your Dragon, although that is not my pick for 2010. Um, <laughs> I just want to say that How to Train Your Dragon was robbed by sentimentality. <laughs> um, nope. So... My favorite pick of 2010, though, is another a movie that I consider to be a perfect film. Um, you know, right now I say that You've Got Mail is my favorite movie, but this movie is, like, just right behind it. Like, it could be my favorite movie on certain days, um, and that's The Social Network. I, this movie, I think, is generation-defining. I think people are going to look back on it in 20 or 30 years one of the best films made of the decade um, it's brilliant of maybe the millennium it's brilliant and um it's like i said it's, i think it's a perfect movie i don't think i would change a single thing about it it's so okay. good i think at some point we need to argue about the 2000 
the Oscars for that year. Yeah. The 2000, oh. I guess it's the 2011 Oscars, right. but for the year of 2010. Right. We need to have an argument about that because I'm still in the King's Speech camp, which oh I know God, makes you now hate me. I mean, um, there's nothing, but, I don't know that anything has ever, film, film related, <laughs> let's say, has broken my heart more than the social <laughs> network losing Best Picture. I oh, went to bed that night thinking the entire industry is a sham <laughs> to like think that the King's Speech in any world is better than this movie is just heartbreaking to me. Mm. Mm. Uh, yep, we need to argue okay. about it. We just do. All right. 2011, a year that was also robbed by the Academy Awards. This is when we're really like deep into the Academy Awards here at this point. Like we're, we're in I it. I don't remember um, what was robbed in 2011. The Descendants, the best movie of 2011. What won in 2011? No one remembers. Exactly. No, the artist won. Oh. But the artist, yeah. right. This was like the gimmick. Right. Um, <laughs> but The Descendants, truly a great movie. I am so surprised George Clooney has come up on this list so much. Yeah. But George, George Clooney does one of the best performances I've ever seen. Totally out of character for George Clooney. Um, this is, I think, this movie is a lot like Dan in real life. It's a family drama about... It's, it's your genre, the guy at a beach house, just okay, with his no, family. Okay, no, this is different. This is not this genre. Because my genre is everyone goes to a lake house or a beach house for a weekend. Like, it's it's oh, all about okay. the, like, all the families coming together or, or a group of friends are reuniting. And it's like, okay. they all have to live in the same house and, like, they do a bunch of activities. This is not the same thing. Okay, that is a very specific it genre. Is. This this is more of a, this guy just lives, this guy lives at, the at beach. a beach house with his family. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Different. Um, but yeah, if yeah, compl- just amazing. It won best screenplay, which I'm very happy about. Um, but if you have not, this I think this is one of the Oscar movies from 2011 that most people haven't seen. I highly encourage you to watch it. It's really good. I have seen it, and I really like it. Um, mostly for the script, because mm-hmm. and it was written by, or co-written by some authors that I really love. Um, what are yep. their names? Um, the guys that made the way way back. Yes. Yeah, I'm blanking on their names right now, but yeah. So yeah, I agree. This is really good, Lucas. Um, it brought us Shailene Shailene Woodley. Yes, it did. Yeah. Um, my favorite movie for 2011 is the movie that I've seen the most times in theaters, and that is Bridesmaids. I've seen Bridesmaids. I saw Bridesmaids four times in theaters. Um, not purposefully. I saw it once at South by Southwest. I saw it like a preview before they like were fully finished editing it. And then when it came mm-hmm. out, I just kept seeing it over and over because one, I loved it, but also because I would go see it with a group of friends. And then another f- group of friends would be like, oh, I haven't seen that yet. And I'd be like, yeah, I'd be willing to see that again. And then I would hang out with a different <laughs> friend. Be like, oh, I haven't seen Bridesmaids yet. And I'd be like, I'm ready. I'd go see it again. <laughs> and I ended up just seeing it multiple times. Um, oh, man. This movie made me cry the first time I saw it. I remember seeing it in Austin at South By and it started after midnight and I remember walking back to my car at like two or three in the morning, just like sobbing <laughs> in the streets of Austin um, because I just love the story so much. And it's truly one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Um, Kristen Wiig is like such, so powerful in this movie as like a sad comedic figure. Um, and it's about female friendship and, yeah, it's, it's everything I could ever want out of a big comedy. I don't want to get into it too much, but I am not a fan of Paul Feig's movies. Like, That's interesting. I, 
Yeah, I was not a huge fan of Bridesmaid or The Heat. I liked Spy. Spy yeah, was good. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think you would like yeah, Spy. Yeah, Spy, Spy was good. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ghostbusters was just okay. But I don't know what it is because I feel like I should like Bridesmaid. But I think it's I think it's just like the awkward humor. Like, it just goes on for too long. There's just a lot of, I don't know. I don't know. It just didn't work for me for some yeah. reason. But not everything's for you, I, and that's okay. I always want to watch his. I always want to like his movies. Right. <laughs> so, all right, 2012. I've got my second. I'm surprised I only have two um, Wes Anderson movies on here. But Moonrise Kingdom, undeniably a great movie. Yeah, I think Moonrise Kingdom this, is my favorite Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, it's so good. Child or child's children is <laughs> yeah. what they call them. I think. Um, <laughs> coming of age, growing up, um, how parents deal with that. It's so good. Yeah. Um, seeing this again, I made this list a while ago and I kind of want to change my answer to Moonrise Kingdom because you could do that. You could do that in the moment. I'm going to talk about the other movie because it was my favorite movie that year. Like I remember okay. it being very clearly my favorite movie the year that it came out, but with some distance, it might not deserve to be on this list as much as mm-hmm. something like Moonrise Kingdom does that has like held a strong place in my heart. But at the time mm-hmm. I was really in love with Silver Linings Playbook. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought, again, you know me, I love rom-coms. Um, I loved that final sequence. I mean, movies that have really impressive endings really like grabbed me. And I think the ending of Silver Linings Playbook really like grabbed a hold of my heart in a strong way. Um, but the rest of it is great. I think it, again, it made Jennifer Lawrence into like the star that she truly is. Um, Mm -hmm. she was on the pathway. It wasn't like out of the blue, but this was the movie that really like broke the mold for her and like made her into J law. Um, and I have issues with this movie. Um, but it, I can't deny yep. how much I loved watching it. I agree. But you're going to go with Moonrise Kingdom. I think, like, sometimes I might change it to Moonrise Kingdom because that movie is, like, so stunningly perfect. It yeah. is. It is. Moving on to 2013, we have our final. Um, I, don't, I still don't. What did, I, what did we call these? Same opinion. We have the same movie yeah. here um, Short Term 12. Yeah. A movie that I, you and I have talked about is like one of the best of the decade. Yes, truly. Not going to go into too much detail on it. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to watch this movie. Yes. Brie, this is the first time I ever saw Brie Larson. She does Whoa. a fantastic job Nuh-uh. of portraying. Did you see Scott Pilgrim when it came out? Oh, you're right. I, for, I always forget she's in Scott she's Pilgrim. In a, she plays she's actually a in a character. lot of stuff that like you've probably seen. I definitely saw her in Scott Pilgrim yeah. and Greenberg, but didn't. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I I also saw 21 Jump Street, so I have no idea. (laughs) Nevertheless, this is when I knew she was a person. Um, She's so good in this. Everybody does just such such a fantastic job. This is a world that I that I like I hadn't really seen explored in film before. um, And it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, this movie wrecked me. Um, It's heartbreaking and beautiful, but also like it has hope. if you haven't seen Star Trek 12, you have to see it. It's, again, one of the best movies of our recent times. And mm-hmm. um, it has such an impressive cast. 
Uh, Brie Larson heads this movie, and it's mostly about her, and she's amazing in it. Mm-hmm. But it has um, John Gallagher Jr., who I adore, and yep. I think is completely underrated. It has Stephanie Beatrice, who went on to like, who's now in like Brooklyn Nine Nine. Ro- oh yeah, that's true. She was in that Rami movie. Rami Malek, wow. who is like yes. doing big things now. Um, mm-hmm. Lakeith, Lakeith Stanfield, Stanfield, who is like yep. huge right now. So like. So many people who weren't big names when this movie came out are now like doing incredible work. And Kate, Caitlin Deaver's in it. I did not know I that. I forgot she plays the kid. I don't know who that is. Um, she's she's in Detroit. Um, she was in well, she was in Justified. Um, okay. She's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is an important movie. Everyone should see it. Yes, truly. All right, 2014, we're getting to movies that we've talked about a lot, but Whiplash is my favorite movie of 2014. Most movies that explore music and musicians, I end up loving. This is amazing. There's, I love Damien Chazelle. His portrayal of a music school is incredible. Everybody in this movie does a fantastic job. If you haven't seen Whiplash, go see Whiplash. Yeah. You know, Miles Teller is like just so undeniable in this movie. And, like, whatever your opinion on Miles, Miles Teller is, you can't watch this movie and not be impressed with his performance. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's incredible. It's, I, I'm very intrigued by movies and shows like this. And, you know, I talked about recently on the podcast a show called Last Chance You that mm-hmm. I think really examines what does it take to make someone exceptional and is it worth it? Um, and I, I, I think it's a really intriguing question, especially when you deal with like male egos and like dominance in the way that both this movie and like that show does. Um, it's, I think, very fascinating. And this is obviously like an incredibly good movie. Yes. My 2014 movie is Obvious Child. Again, I love rom coms. I think that this is such a unique and charming rom com. Um, Jenny Slate has become like America's sweetheart in a really fun way that <laughs> I, okay. Maybe film critics, America's sweetheart, <laughs> um, <laughs> at least in the circles I run, she's definitely very beloved and she, I think has, is gaining like a lot of star power in a way that a lot of people didn't expect. If you would have told me that the girl who accidentally said fuck on SNL would go on to be like starring in rom-coms and like dating movie stars like Chris Evans, it would have like thrown me for a loop. But her talent is undeniable. And this movie is so smartly written. Um, I, I think that this movie is really, really incredible. I cannot stand Jenny Slate or Jake Lacey, oh which is God, why I have not Lucas. seen this movie. I know. It's an unpopular opinion. I it get it. But it is such an unpopular opinion. I can't, I'm yeah. like, my hands are in my face right now. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. It Honestly, I think oh, it, it's your most unpopular opinion of everything <laughs> you've ever said on this podcast. That is, that is hard to do. That is, I can't believe that's my most unpopular I opinion. I can't believe but, you don't like Jenny Slate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. The fact that I don't, I don't like Jake, Jake Lacey is fine with you, but that I Jenny can Slate is the one a little that... bit more. I love Jake Lacey, but I can see where you're coming from. But 
Jenny Slate means so much to me, Lucas. I like try to model oh my gosh. so so much of my life after her and like the way she lives her life. Oh my gosh. I don't think she's good at living her oh. life, so there's that. <laughs> I do. I love her. Oh man. All right. Well, 2015 it is then. My final um Pixar movie, Inside Out. Unequivocally best movie of 2015 even though the academy awards didn't decide to honor it in that way it is so good so emotional so different so brave (laughs) i like there's so many things that this movie did that i think would be impossible to do and i think pixar took a really big chance and i think they knocked it out of the park yeah i mean i agree this movie blew me away um my 2015 pick is I decided to go with the Academy on this one, though, and I mm-hmm. chose Spotlight. Um, also a good movie. Yeah, this movie is, like, I think it's so rare to have a movie, especially with this subject matter, be so quiet and reserved and just giving you only what's necessary to tell the story. And that's its biggest mm-hmm. strength. Um, its second biggest strength is its star amazingly talented performers um deep bench yes, such a deep yes. bench man everybody in this movie yeah. <laughs> is so I'm a good huge rachel mcadams fan mm-hmm. i love mark ruffalo like and then there's so many others like but those are the two that stand out to me the most um yeah yeah this movie you know i don't a, a lot of people i know have not seen spotlight and mm. i really it's it's a hard sell, like when we're all hanging yeah. out. But I really yeah. wish more people would give it a chance and and watch it. Definitely, definitely. All right, we're to number sixteen, not number sixteen. Why do I keep saying that? <laughs> to two thousand sixteen, our last one, <laughs> the final year that we were alive. <laughs> we we'll see how <laughs> the country turns out. Yeah. <laughs> um. Everyone, I, I, I don't even need to say it. Everybody already knows. Sing Street! The best movie oh. of 2016. By a long shot. Your love so for this good. movie does I, warm my heart, Lucas. <laughs> oh, man. I, I completely understand why other people don't love it as much as I, I mean, do. But it is... I love I feel movie. the same way about Sing Street as I feel about D2, the Biden text. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Well, I feel that way about The Handmaiden. <laughs> that is not true. Yes, it is. <laughs> really? I mean, not about D2. I More like your love oh, for Sing yeah. Street is a cool Oh, film. got so it, like got my it. My love for The got Handmaiden. It. <laughs> I think even about D2, The Mighty no. Ducks, I was like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> um, I think The Handmaiden is just like, it's so, again, it's so underrated. Like, not enough people saw it. But it blew my mind. Visually, storytelling-wise, writing. It's in, it, the music. Oh, Handmaiden yep. is like just easily the best movie of 2016 for me. Just it's ugh. it's so good. Yeah. It it really is masterfully made. Talk about music though. Sing in all Street. aspects, we both pick movies with like very specific, amazing music. Yes, yes. Oh man. Well, we did it. What we'll, do you think? We'll you're, see you're two thousand. Now for number seventeen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No. I would, here's we'll an interesting question, Lucas. Uh-huh. At this point, off the top of your head, don't give it too much thought. Okay. Favorite movie you've seen in 2017? Favorite movie I've seen in 2017? Probably 
Oh, they, they, yeah, that came out in 2017. Yeah, that you've already seen. Yes. Maybe Get Out? That's that's a, uh, that's up there for me. Like, the, I, yeah. I feel like that's, like, that's, like, the popular one that's just, like, in my head. Yeah. I I don't know if that would actually be it. Right. Um. What about you? It, it's, before I know, I'll have to do some rewatching. Right now, I'm leaning towards the big sick. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But The Glass Castle might be up there for me also i i feel like it's going to be up there when i when i finally yeah. see it um but get out is also quite up there i would say mm-hmm. i would yeah. say those are my top three yeah. actually at this point yeah i think once i see the glass castle those will be my top three yeah. but definitely the the big sick yeah. is a solid number two yeah now yeah. i will not be surprised in the least if all of those get knocked out for me once i see call me by your name <sighs> We shall see. That movie I'm real I have very high hopes for. So that 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 could be a very hit or miss movie for me. I feel like I feel like it could live up to the hype, but I feel like it could be getting overhyped it now. Could. Yeah. And I could I could have my expectations set too high, so I'm trying not to right. Right. <laughs> not to do that. Yeah. Okay. But. Well, we'll see what this Oscar season brings us. We shall. That was great. We podcasted for two oh, hours. Yeah, so we sure did. there's that. Yep. <laughs> well, if you, for some reason, have anything else you would like to hear us talk about or set or talk to us about anything, I would love it if you left, left us a review on iTunes. Um, or you can write us an email at feelingitpod at gmail.com or say something to us on Twitter at feelingitpod. Um, I almost said at twitter.com, but that's not how Twitter works. Um, I don't know. I'm off Twitter now, so you can't find me on the internet on Twitter. I get, well, you can find me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram. I'm just taking pictures. That's it. And I'm Sandra Amstutz. All of my social media is at Sandra Amstutz. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. And that is the end of it. Yes. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I am rambling today. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye, now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yeah. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people.